So here's what we're going to do. Here's why we're doing it. Because otherwise, all the water cooler talk is going to just go crazy if you just somebody hears that we're going to change the compensation system and they're going to assume it's just because, you know, the partners want to make more money. Welcome to the Ed Epley Experience, 20 minutes that simplifies the complex job of managing and leading people and inspires you to take action on what you probably already know, to build and sustain a smart and healthy business. Here's your host, Ed Epley, to introduce this week's guest and business leader. Welcome, everyone. This is Ed Epley with another experience for you on the Ed Epley podcast experience. We are going to talk today about something that's been getting a lot of attention in, at least for my clients, over the last six to 12 months. And it seems to be heightened right now more than almost any time I can remember in the last four or five years. And that's compensation. And so the goal today is to share with you some ideas about pros and cons, what's been good or bad from our guest's experience in compensation strategies. And when I think about our guest, he's uh, extremely driven. He's extremely focused. He's a really, I, I would consider him great at customer experience, both uh, for employees internally, as well as for his external customers. But then the thing that a lot of you will appreciate is he is somewhat of, I, I would consider one of the foremost experts on bourbon that I've ever met. <laughs> now, now that is not his best quality, but it's one of those endearing qualities that I love a lot about him. So help me welcome Rich Craig from 415 Group in Canton, Ohio, to our audience today. So Rich, welcome. Glad to have you aboard. Thanks, Ed. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote that and put that on my tombstone, so I appreciate that. <laughs> you're, more than, you're more than welcome to do so. I'm not sure that my recommendations will mean much, but I'm glad that, glad that you like that. Um, Rich, you're, a, you're the managing partner at a regional accounting firm up there in Northeast Ohio, and so you get to see a lot of different organizations and what they do, but I'm curious about from your own experience. Do you recall the first time you ever had to talk comp with an employee? You know, it, it, it's funny, Ed. Uh, in, in public accounting, it's a little bit different, right? And and obviously, uh, I've been at this for over three decades, and I still remember my first day at Ernst and Winnie, and um, it just merged with Arthur Young. So, it, yeah. I mean, literally, I came in almost the first day it was Ernst and Young, and obviously, there were very different compensation structures between Arthur Young and Ernst and Winnie at the time. Right. And so, when we came on, my compensation agreement said in writing that if I told the person next to me what I was making, I would be immediately terminated. <laughs> in today's world with Gen Z and millennials, that doesn't exist. No. And it's something we've had to kind of learn along the way. But uh, my first experience it was probably when I when I first made partner here in, in the late 90s, 99. But I the first time I really remember having the conversation was right around 2007, 2008. And, uh, you know, if you recall, there was a pretty big downturn in the economy at yeah. the time. And it'd be real big. Yeah. What ended up happening is, you know, for a lot of people, that wanted these cost of living raises in the past, well, cost of living went negative. And I don't think anybody was coming in expecting a, a pay decrease. Right. But that, that year we called them compensation adjustments instead of raise meetings. Yeah. And it was just an, an honest conversation with a lot of people. And uh, it was the first time that, you know, you were giving out not great raises or having some pretty honest conversations because now you had an excess workforce and you could choose the best of the best. So by and large, were the 
were the adjustments, and I'm using air quotes there to to describe them. D- did it go well? Did you did you feel you were prepared to have the conversations? Did they, by and large, did people understand and accept that, or how how do you think it went? Um, the ones that weren't getting what they expected did not go well, um, which is why we're constantly trying to change things so that there's less surprises. I've, I've always said at the end of the year, you know, if you're going to terminate somebody or some, somebody's not going to get much of a raise, it shouldn't be a surprise to them if you're doing your job right. Right, right. So you've seen a variety of different compensation systems. I, I think we can probably both agree there is no such thing as the perfect one. It's a unicorn. It doesn't really exist. But so what, what do you think? see in general in the compensation systems that your clients have? What what are the, the the good things, the bad things, the pros, the cons, what and so forth? You know, there's uh, it, it all depends on how your company culture is and what mm-hmm. you're trying to get to. OK, you know, the, the companies that are start up and, and, and struggling and just want massive growth. They're going to compensate their people completely differently than maybe 20 years down the road when they're more stable and trying to create a culture that's going to encourage more people to come. Do, do you think most companies think about their compensation as it's connected to their business model? And do they do, do you think that they see the connection that that they're linked or do you think they see them as discrete? I think the more mature the company, the more they see that connection. And it just it, it takes a while to get there. Is there a common mistake? You know, there. there it's easy looking in the rearview mirror and saying there, there's a lot of mistakes, you know, and you, you can always see people that are incenting the wrong things. So, you know, they're going to go out there and say, hey, you know, if you're in public accounting, for instance, you know, you'll see you'll see a lot of firms constantly changing that carrot out there that they're trying to, to catch. So the two main things you're here in public accounting are service based businesses, labor based businesses going to be utilization and realization. Yeah. All right. So utilization is, hey, you know, how many billable hours am I going to get out of you versus admin hours that aren't billable? What's that percentage? And realization is kind of the opposite of that. And that, hey, how many of those hours can I bill at your standard rate versus how much do I have to write down? And in a year where I'm saying, hey, everybody should be utilized at, you know, 90 percent. Everybody's going to get there if that's what their compensation is based on. But it may not be a good time. So my realization goes down. And likewise, the years that it's based on realization, hey, I'm I'm going to eat some of my time so that I can get 100% of my standard. So in the uh, in the world in which you operate, how much of what you do is fixed versus variable? You know, we're trying to get a lot more to fixed. Uh, right now, we're still, you know, some of our divisions are on 100% fixed. Uh, the recurring revenue model or the fixed fee pricing, if it's priced right, is a really easy thing. Um, but a lot of what we do is still time and material based. And, you know, we actually have a have a 10 year goal to get to the entire firm to be 75, 80 percent fixed fee value billing, set price, no negotiation, no price. Here it is. And, and explain to me and the audience why you're trying to move in that direction. Uh, one, you know, I, I think we're very unique in what we do, as every company that's ever talked to you, Ed, does, you know, um, but we provide a service that I think is far above what our competitors do. Okay. And if we're just setting our price at our competitors rates or what it takes us to do it, even though we've got a lot of uh, very inherent um, systems that really allow us to expedite things on an hourly basis, right. we're not getting the true value for that or, or what we're bringing to the table is worth a lot more than an hour of our time. 
And does it require less accounting, less effort as a manager when you go when you move in this direction? Does it make the manager's job easier? Oh, a hundred percent. You know, okay. I, in, in all the years I've been doing this, there, there's two things that I know are going to happen. If somebody gets out of public accounting and they go into private or become a CFO or do something else, the one thing they absolutely are never going to miss is keeping track of their time by the 10th of the hour. That absolutely drives people nuts and it takes us time to bill it at the end of the month. Uh, the thing that they miss the most is not having that peer group of all your same peers that you're working with every day. You're going into an environment where you're not going to have 50 or 100 other CPAs and, and professionals that you're working with. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't you don't have the camaraderie for people who have the same kind of skills and abilities that you have. But nobody misses keeping track of their time. So do you you and your partners, have you talked about a strategy for compensation in terms of it's got to do A, B and C? Have you have you articulated that that, that whatever compensation approach you have has to address these three or four or five things? Not yet. I, I do see that in, in larger companies. A lot of the public traded companies absolutely have that. I think we're getting closer. So we're, we're going through this year. We've announced to the staff um, what we're going to do next year. We, we want to give them a little bit of notice. And next year, every single item on their year-end review and their mid-year reviews are going to be the factors that we consider in their compensation adjustments. No more, no less. Those are going to be the factors. And those factors, we try and drive around our core values. Okay. We try and drive them around their performance. We drive them around those things that that we feel are going to help both our company and our culture. So core values is number one. What else? Uh, their performance. Okay. Right. I mean, how, how well they've done. And a lot of it around what their job description is okay. uh, and what their expectations are for the year as far as their goals go. So and performance being related back to that realization and, and utilization? So, somewhat, yes. Okay. All right. So if, if there's one of these, it's more financially driven, it'd be that performance component. Probably so. OK, but it's not always weighted the same. You know, each person may have a different job description, even at the same level, they may have different responsibilities. So all that's taken into account. But the what's going to be on the review form is what we're looking at as partners in our compensation committee is how we adjust their comp. So if. To me, uh, let me start with this. To me, having a stated strategy, uh, I'm, I'm going to come clean for the rest of the audience. To me, having a stated strategy makes it simpler to have some of your compensation conversations with employees. If you can say, these are the three, four, five things that we value in the organization, and we want you to consider all of these when you think about what you get from us, both in pay as well as benefits. So, so that they understand there's a, it's not, it's not just thrown together in a stew. There's a reason why we've chosen these things to reward or not reward. And these are how they should fit together in terms of you getting the, the, not only the money, but the, the, the total package of things you want from us. So to me, having a strategy is pretty important in today's environment, because as you said earlier, as we began this conversation, Rich, people talk now. There's there. Sure. It used to be there was no discussion that you had with your peers about what was being paid or why or or what you thought about that. And it was very private. And now it's public. And, you know, you go in Glassdoor and am I saying that right? Glassdoor is yep. the, yep. the, the Glassdoor is one that has the people talking about their compensation. So it's kind of public domain. And so to, having those principles is pretty important. And, and those, those principles are, are really hard to stick to in a labor market like it is today. You know, I mean, it, it is absolutely necessary. You need to do it. Uh, but it's one of those things where, you know, you've got five job openings and only three applicants. It's awful hard 
to really put down the hammer on some of your current employees. <laughs> it's something you have to do. And there's no question I can sit back here and say you have to get it done. Yeah. It's just in, in 30 years, I've never had a problem finding accountants. And it's tough right now. 2022-23 is, is going to be an interesting time. Um, w- one of my clients, uh, they came up with their strategy or version 1.0. And they've said that people need to understand, first of all, how their business works so that they understand why pay should be what it is. In other words, what... Some businesses, because of high margins, can afford to pay people more than others. It's that simple. And so if they don't understand how the business works and whether there are high margins or low margins, people may have an unrealistic expectation of what the job value really would be in the marketplace. So that's one. And then secondly, there's money versus total reward. And and rewards can be things other than cash. So it can be benefits, you know, days off, uh, working from home, things of that nature. And then the last thing is, if I want to make more money, how do I make it? Yep. How, how do I elevate myself? So the reason I'm bringing that up, especially that last one, how do you address improving productivity in somebody? And, and, and is there a link to your compensation that incentivizes improvements in productivity? Or is that a separate conversation as far as you're concerned? You know, right now it's a separate conversation. Some of that we'll get into the utilization realization kind of discussion. Okay. Um, you know, getting back to some of your, your, your other points though, too, is that, um, you know, it's a little bit easier for us to have those conversations on what does your pay really mean? And it's not just the dollars in your take home paycheck, because we're a, a fairly highly educated white collar workforce. And what yes. we do. not right. all, all of our clients are in that same situation either. But for us, I mean, you know, it's you know, we pay 100 percent of most of our people's health insurance. Oh, wow. Um, okay. you know, in, in Canton, Ohio, where we're at, there's no local taxes. There's no parking. There's no anything else. Cost of living is low. You know, there's a variety of other factors. We do a lot of uh, everybody works four tens in the summer. You can take the flex time. You know, you have all those things work from home. So COVID has changed a lot of those intangible benefits. Uh, but the one thing we're seeing is that a lot of the, the generation we're dealing with now wants to continue working less, but get paid the same. And that's one of the things we're absolutely just struggling with is, you know, how does that intangible benefit work? Our uh, daughter-in-law's law firm just went to unlimited PTO with approval. Which we have from two years ago forward. uh, All our managers are are on that. But, you know, what we're struggling with, that was meant to be an incentive. And we wanted our managers to make sure that they had the ability to do that. But what we found is that some of our managers, when we gave them four weeks in the past, they would take four weeks. We give them unlimited and they're only taking two weeks. Yeah. And it's we're thinking about reversing it because it's not benefiting our staff. It's not doing what it was intended it's to not, do. It's not. You're right. right. Yeah. Uh, it's it's funny, but uh, I've, I've, I'm not surprised to hear that. Um, I was. I, I understand. But it's it. Oftentimes, what people think they want is not what they will actually uh, track towards or or follow. So, it, it's it's not that surprising to me. Um, talk to the audience about some of the worst mistakes you've seen clients make, other organizations that you know that in either they ultimately did recognize them, or it might have they might still not recognize they made it. Do and I'm certainly not looking for you to name names, but just talk about the the mistakes in their compensation that you've seen. You know, I, I think that what we call constantly moving the carrots always tough. You know, hey, this year your goal is going to be this. Next year we're going to change it. There's no long-term career path to that. And we see a lot of firms or a lot of companies that will adjust things as the years go year to year and, and constantly changing what they're really trying to communicate to their client, which, which is difficult. Um, you know, the automatic cost of living increases to everybody. 
Um, you know, a wise man once told me that, hey, if I'm going to give you a raise, you have to get that much percent better. I wonder who would, I, won't I, name, I, wonder. I, I won't name names. Ed. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate you mentioning it. I, you, you know, I'm a, I'm a passionate believer that, that pay raises need to be explained and justified. And in most cases, they need to be accompanied by some level of performance improvement. Other mistakes you've seen, any others? Um, you know, the, the one that I, 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 I see a lot is that uh, most companies, are, at least a lot of companies, are really focused on their their really key players, their key performers, and they just want to make sure they take care of them. And hey, whatever's left in the raise and bonus pool, I'll you know I'll give to everybody else. But not that you want to put a name or a tag on everybody. But a lot of times the B players are just as important as the A players, the people that are behind the scenes, getting the work done, doing it right. In this environment with the labor shortage, you have to make sure you really take care of them. You know, they're not going to be in your face. You're not going to see them every day, but you have to make sure you take care of, of all your role players that do their job really well. So what do you think about the companies that have their, I, I've read about them, I don't know any of them, but but where they have their uh, compensation published, where, where everybody sees what everybody makes. Any thoughts about that? You know, you see a lot of that actually at, at a higher level, um, public accounting firms call that open versus closed co uh, compensation, right? Right, so right. There's a lot of uh, accounting firms, even uh, professional service firms that the other partners don't even know what the other partners make, right? Correct. It's a closed compensation system. Right. Uh, the open compensation systems where, yeah, all the partners and a lot of the other employees know what, what you make. And um, we don't have uh, a system that lets everybody know what everybody makes. But I'll tell you, one of the things we see, we send some of our people away to what they call next gen conference. And the next gen conference, you know, kind of brings in um, other people at their level, manager, senior manager from across the country. They bring in partners from other firms and they answer every question. And, right. you know, what a lot of those people are coming back thinking is, hey, you know, we uh, we see how hard the partners work. And for what little we think they make, we don't know that we want to stay in public accounting. So we have to start disclosing a little bit more about. <laughs> about what we make, which is, again, getting back to that Ernst & Winnie story, it's hard because we're not allowed to say that. So we now go all the way down into the high school's level and trying to recruit people to get into accounting and say, hey, guys, when you start at, at 14 Group, here's what you make. When you're a manager, here's what you make. As a first-year partner, here's what you're going to make. So we at least have ranges to everybody now. <laughs> uh, I, I love the fact that you are going to high schools and, and starting to plant seeds with the idea that this might be a, a career for you. But but um, that's a that's planting a seed a long time before you get a chance to harvest. Well, I'll tell you why, Ed. I mean, I'm going to get way off topic again, but you know me. Um, it's one of those things where, you know, Stark County, which is where Canton sits. Right. Is is very tight knit community. Yes. And we only really recruit from about five local universities. And a lot of those kids in high school go off to Kentucky, UCLA, wherever they're going to be, even Ohio State. We don't get down to Ohio State and recruit. And what we found is the people that are from this area come back to this area and they stay. 90% of our employees are, are from this area, have ties to this area. So yeah. we're trying to get them before they leave Stark County, I don't care where they go to school, to come back and work for us as an intern their junior year in college. And this is my only shot to get them because we'll basically pay for a year of your school if you take a semester off as a junior and come back and work for us during tax season. 
So I want to get them before they leave. Yeah, I, I just think you're doing a hell of a job promoting 415 Group here on the podcast. You're, you're talking about your benefits and uh, okay. and how, how committed you are. I love it. I think it's great. So if you know any accounts, it. anybody out there listening, send them my resume. <laughs> yeah, get, get it to you. What do you think about what do you think about a compensation strategy that takes a high performer, like a, a great salesperson or a great engineer, or a, a somebody that's a, a an individual contributor, and they get they get paid more than other C-suite people might. Is that is that good, bad? Do you have an opinion? Uh, it's good in some organizations. It's bad in in, in others. I mean, you know, in in, in some of the businesses, um, I'll see the salespeople um, that are just you know resell their wholesalers, distributors, those kind of things. The back end isn't doing as much. The more they make, the more the company makes. As an owner, I completely get that. And I, there are, are two or three other companies out there that that I can see that, that that works. You may have the top salesman, if he's just an absolute whale out there, may make a million dollars and the CEO may make 500000 Yep. But if he makes a million, the company makes $2 million, So everybody's happy. And that's exactly the, the premise that, that why somebody would do that. They would say, well, everybody wins when this person gets paid more. Talk to me about rules to follow when you change compensation? Because you said something about and, and, and announce it at least a year in advance. I think I heard you say that earlier. Yeah, we're, we're doing that right now. So, you know, we're, again, we've we've announced to the staff that next year, December of 23, um, we will tie all of our compensation system in to their reviews and the core values. And it's one of those things where it's awful hard to say, hey, uh, six months from now, we're going to look at it like this when the year's already half gone. So in, in our opinion, we wanted to tell them uh, now, give them time to to be alerted to that fact that we're going to change what we're looking at, and secondly, to control the message. You know, we we feel we only have one shot to really control the narrative on that. So here's what we're going to do. Here's why we're doing it, because otherwise, all the water cooler talk is going to just go crazy if you just somebody hears that we're going to change the compensation system and they're going to assume it's just because you know the partners want to make more money. That's really concise, and I think powerful advice, which you just you just talked about there. One other thing I'd share with the audience, um, and this is the first of three podcasts I'm going to do on compensation strategy. So we're hearing from Rich today. We're going to hear from a couple of other executives in subsequent podcasts. But one other thing I've recognized when I've had to make changes in compensation is I ran parallel systems for the first six months. So in other words, what I would do is if a change was going to be made, I'd continue the old way and I'd also start the new method of compensation so people could see the difference. And what we would promise people is for six months, you're going to get you're going to get the benefit of whichever system is going to be better for you. And, and we're not going to punish you because we're changing systems. But after six months, we are making that change. But this was a way to give people a chance to to see what the the benefits would be of the new system. And, and that always seemed to work well in the scenarios in which I was involved. I think it's a great idea, but you have to explain that to our HR director that has to maintain two systems. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> well, we'll talk with them. So let's just let's kind of take this towards a, a wrap up at this point, Rich. Um, if if you were going to give one piece of advice to people that you would say, look, if you're going to do anything with your compensation system to make it more effective for you and your organization, you got to make sure you do this one thing. What would it be? go in with your eyes open. There's no system out there that's going to please everybody. If there was, everybody would have it. And Ed, you would be a billionaire right now by having me on your show, right? That's just mm-hmm. not going to happen. Right. Uh, you really have to spend the right time to think about what should be, where do you want the company to, to go? 
who do you want the company to be and what compensation system can you have that helps get you there? Yeah. You're going to have to drive different employees different ways, but you're trying to guide them to something that helps both them fit into the culture and the company go where it's trying to go. And a lot of times that's not always just higher profitability. There, there's more to it than that. And you, you've taught me that over your years as well. Well, I appreciate you saying that there, there, there are a lot of things that you can impact by compensation. And in many cases, I think the most systems are designed to be what's simplest what's easiest for the organization. Um, and that's not always in their best interest. I also think that just one other editorial comment I would make is that what motivates you from a compensation perspective, what, what, what you would want from a compensation system is not necessarily what your people will want. So I think there's a trap there of we could fall into where we think that because this is what how money would motivate me. I'm going to build a system like that for the people that work. I think you're exactly right. And I still have, you know, uh, most of the partners at this firm all grew up. I mean, one, if, if you're going to be a partner, you're driven. A lot of times you're driven by money anyway. And in, in the time that we were all in public accounting as staff, money was the driver for us. You know, it, it absolutely was. Most of us had to have our, our spouses stay at home. We right. had to work ridiculous hours. We were, it was all worth it in the end. And we were driven by money this next generation is not and is trying to find that balance not growing up in their shoes that's been difficult um i might add they're not as driven by it right now where they are in their lives there may be a point where that <laughs> that would shift and well, again they that, they're not <laughs> that's right that's right so we'll have to wait and see look i can't let you get off here without diverging for a moment into the world of bourbon sure um, what's your latest, greatest find if, uh, for those people who are listening that, that care about that, uh, brown liquor, what, which one is, is a couple of suggestions you would get, have for the audience? Well, you know, I'm, I'm a big Buffalo trace guy. So I, my, my buddy, and, and then he's let me tag along for 25 years. I've been in the barrel program down at Buffalo trace. So, uh, there's probably not many Buffalo trace products that I don't have in, in my collection. Uh, <laughs> and unfortunately Buffalo trace seems to be, uh, harder and harder to track your hands down on anything that came from there. So there's a unique bourbon out there called uh, Bowman Brothers, and there's a variety, small batch and, and single barrel. It's actually Buffalo Trace mash, but it's it's distilled, or it's, um, I'm sorry, it's, it's in the Rick House and in Virginia barrels. So it's made in Virginia oak barrels, and it's finished in Virginia. But it's still got uh, the Buffalo Trace. They've, they've not announced whether it's Buffalo Trace mash bill one, two, or a combination. Uh, but it's actually pretty good. It's getting uh, harder to find. It's not a bad price, 30, 35 bucks a bottle, but you still get that Buffalo Trace experience. <laughs> the other thing I love about Rich is he knows where the deals are. <laughs> so, I'm an accountant. Come on. Yeah, I love it. When I can always count on him to come up with, with the one that's really good and price is no object, but there's also a good value to be found. So, Rich, it's, it's always a pleasure to spend time with you. And I know that our audience is going to find a lot of value in what you shared. If they want more information, if they would like to know more about you, compensation, or the 415 Group, what's the best way for them to, to do that? Uh, they're welcome to look me up at uh, 415group.com. Uh, but most of what I learned came from you, Ed, so they can just call you directly and skip the middle man if they want. <laughs> uh, I will be glad to connect anyone with Rich and the 415 Group. They're great folks. They do great jobs for their clients. Plus, they're just great people. So, Rich, thank you so much for being our guest today. And I look forward to our next conversation very soon. Have a great day. Ed. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Ed Epley Experience. 
For more information on building a more sustainable, smarter, and healthier business, visit www.theepleygroup.com for resources, tips, and Ed's latest blogs. That's the Epley, E-P-P-L-E-Y, group.com. Plus, take a free assessment at theepleygroup.com slash assessment to find out how you measure up as a highly skilled and accomplished manager and where to focus on improving your skills.